Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cash That. This is your host, Joe Delera. Uh, I am riding solo once again. We are without producer Corey, but he's got a good reason. You know, he's got cookies, State of the Union's on. It is quite the day for him to be, quote unquote, unavailable. He's not sleeping, so we won't blame it on that. But I did just want to say we're going to start off with our favorite NBA bets of the day. And I'm looking at two games. I know that we have the Bucks and the Miami Heat game today. I will touch on that. I promise you. But my best bets are coming from the Philadelphia 76ers versus the New York Knicks and the Sacramento Kings versus the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, the first pick is going to be the New York Knicks versus, Sac- uh, versus the Philadelphia 76ers over 222 points. And the second best bet is going to be the New Orleans Pelicans minus four and a half against the Sacramento Kings. So just a reminder, we've been crushing it on these. Uh, the overall record on the season since we've been doing these NBA best bets to start off is 12 and six, and that would be plus 5.89 units. So we'll come back to the analysis on that, but I did want to talk about the NBA as a big picture right now leading into like leading into the second half of the season. And I say half because it's really not a half. It's really more like a quarter, but you know, I guess you could say half if you're really counting the playoffs, you know, because the playoffs just literally take forever. So just for ease of access right now, um, when I'm talking about some of these lines and these odds, I'm going to be talking about FanDuel. Um, I just like using the interface. Plus, I've got a heavier balance there because of these uh, alternate lines we've been taking. Um, but look, the, the Phoenix Suns are still number one in terms of the seeding, in terms of the odds to win the title, followed by the Golden State Warriors. Then you've got the Brooklyn Nets, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Philadelphia 76ers have obviously shot up those rankings. Uh, they're seven to one now. And then you've got, you know, kind of a mix. You've got the Miami Heat, the Utah Jazz, the Celtics, the Nuggets, the Bulls, the Grizzlies, uh, and the Mavericks. And then, you know, after that, it's starting to get a little thin. But the way that we need to look at this is a couple of different things. Like the Suns are going to be, the Suns are going to be fine as long as they get to the, the, you know, like they're going to get to the playoffs. They got plenty of lead there. And, you know, I'm not really all that concerned with them in the long run, aside from obviously like, you know, this Chris Paul injury. So Chris Paul, he broke his, it's an avulsion fracture, but the thing to consider here with the Suns is they've built up such a big lead in the Western conference. They're actually they have a six game lead over the Warriors, and that's in both the conference and the division and a seven game lead on the Grizzlies and then a ten and a half game lead on the Jazz. So, like, nobody's really catching them. Uh, I don't expect the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies could pass the Warriors, but um, we'll, we'll see about that. But the bigger thing here is neither team is going to catch the Suns. It's almost impossible just based on the way the, the amount of games that the Suns have left. They can basically go. 500 and you know and still retain the number one seed and that would be if like the warriors and the grizzlies each won out so i don't recommend any bets on the warriors or the grizzlies to be the one seed um and i definitely don't bet uh wouldn't bet on the warriors to be to beat the suns in the division it's just it's not a good bet at this point but here's the thing to consider devin booker obviously is taking on like a completely different role and it's really interesting to watch because he's not really like 
like he's not a true point guard. He's he's a combo guard. He's a scorer. But we've seen his uh, we've seen his assists spike um, without Chris Paul, and he's averaging, uh, you know, since the start of last season, basically thirty points and eight assists and five rebounds in about thirty eight minutes, uh, and he's taken like twenty two shots a game. So that's that's an incredible usage rate. And I'd imagine once campaign gets back you know, that'll even out a little bit. I think his assists might dip there. So it could be a good opportunity to come in on his prop lines. But here's the thing to remember. The Suns are eight points better with Chris Paul per 100 possessions. This team has already really locked up the one seed. They are not going to be the same. Like they're not going to be this team that's like, all right, uh, we need to win this game. We're going to beat it out of you. Like it's not going to happen. And I think that because of the way They've been so effective and so good on not only the money line, but the spread, especially in clutch time. This is a really good opportunity, I think, to fade the Suns as like a general rule. Um, and, you know, like I'm not saying blindly bet them, but in games where they're favored and you're looking at this and you're like, why, like, why should they be favored? You know, like they just played the Utah Jazz the other day and I wrote that guy. I think a lot of you read it. I, I put that out there. But I couldn't understand why the Suns were favored when in terms of adjusted net rating, you know, the Jazz are only half a point worse than them. And that's at full strength. And the Suns are without their best, like their leader, their facilitator in Chris Paul. So the books and like the casual fans right now, because there's no football, you're looking at this and you're saying, oh, like the Suns are awesome. Like they're number one in the standings. They're, they're killing everybody. This is an opportunity to to look at the line and really handicap and say like, why should they be favored here? Because if you think about it before Chris Paul showed up, I know that this team has gone through a lot. Devin Booker's evolved as a player and everything. They were a bubble team. They were the eighth seed in the West. Chris Paul, I think is that important for this team. And we need to really think about it that way. Like he, he's a facilitator on offense, on defense, he clock manages, he does everything. He sets up everyone, makes everybody better. And without him, I think this is an opportunity to really just fade the Phoenix Suns, especially when you couple that with the fact that they don't really have a lot to play for. They're really going to be locked into this one seed almost no matter what. So I'm not really concerned about Phoenix. And I don't think you can really bet on them to win a title future right now either, because we need to see if he comes back. Uh, It's possible that he misses even some of the first round of the playoffs. So I think you got to wait on them. I'm not looking to jump all over the Phoenix Suns uh, to, to win the title. So that's going to take me to, you know, the Western conference, just generally, I want to touch on the West and I'm going to talk in the, talk about the East because I think the East is fascinating. So in the West, I don't really think there's not like a lot, there's not a lot that's going on here because I don't really think that like as bad as the Lakers and Pelicans have been, the Pelicans are a little bit better. The Lakers are just a kind of a dumpster fire, but the Blazers are tanking like actively. So it kind of gives you the Spurs and the Kings. The Kings are not good. And the Spurs could maybe make a push for this 10 seed, but I think it's tough to envision the Lakers falling out of the play in tournament entirely, despite how bad they've been. So um, I, I think that you're just kind of locked in there really with the only team that could maybe jump through is the San Antonio Spurs. So when you look at the seeding though, I'm really interested now that the Grizzlies have kind of caught up with the Warriors. I'm really interested between the two and the six seed here, because if you're one of these teams, like 
you don't want to have to go through, especially for example, like the nuggets, you don't really want to have to go through the, the jazz and the suns. Like you don't want to be that four or five block because it means that you're probably, you're going to have to take on what realistically the teams that are looking at the four or five are the nuggets, the Mavericks and the jazz. Uh, it's unlikely that the Grizzlies are going to fall. It looks like the Grizzlies and the warriors will just be battling for the two seed. So if you're the six seed, you get to play whoever's in the three spot. And I think that this is advantageous for the Nuggets. Like they should want to stay there. And I know that I wrote about how I think the Nuggets um, were a good bet for that bet and get for DraftKings. I still like it. I think they're, they're going to put out that output. But I, th- I can see them trying to like jockey position a little bit and stay in that six seed because then you don't have to play. You realistically don't have to play the Jazz, uh, who, you know, it's a little bit of a tougher matchup just because Jokic by design and like, you know, by his size, it means that the jazz can play Rudy Gobert the whole game. And it's a little bit harder for the nuggets to take advantage of that, you know, of that deficiency or so to speak in the jazz defense, which is that they're not flexible. They, they, they can't do that. So I could see that happening. And plus, like, if you're going to play a team, you want to play the Grizzlies. They're untested. Um, I know that they're exciting, but their half-court offense is not particularly good. And in the playoffs, when things slow down, half-court offense can become a lot more important. So, you know, if if I'm the Nuggets, I'd like to stay in that sixth spot. So, you know, I, I think the West is going to shape up, you know, probably with the Suns, the Warriors, the Grizzlies, the Jazz, the Mavericks, the Nuggets, the Wolves. Um, and then you're kind of looking at who's going to be jockeying for position between the Clippers, the Lakers, the Pelicans, and the Spurs. Um, but if I'm really picking a team to come out of the West, I still like the Nuggets. Um, if you're looking at in terms of the odds, I know we got, we got them on DraftKings at 35 to one the other day. Um, but if you're looking in terms of odds in the Western Conference, the Nuggets are 12 to one. I like their path based on who they're potentially playing. And they're getting better. Like Michael Porter Jr. was just seen dunking the other day. He's going to start going through uh, some drills with the G League team. And I know we're waiting for Jamal Murray, but I, I, I feel like they're kind of just rounding into form and like you're getting some guys a little bit late. And it might take a little time chemistry-wise, but when you have facilitators like Murray and like Jokic, I, I think that this could be an easy spot for them. I like the Nuggets still in terms of their odds. Um, I'm a little concerned about the Warriors because Curry's shooting has been, it's like he fell off a cliff besides the all-star game and this injury to Draymond Green, I know they're getting him back, but they need him to come back and be good. Uh, And that's a little bit concerning. So if you're looking to jump on a team, I think the Nuggets are a team you could jump on now uh, rather than later. Uh, But if you're looking to back the Suns or, you know, or the Warriors, I would wait a little bit and see how that kind of shakes out. Um, But now let's look at the East, because I think the East is absolutely fascinating. In the Eastern Conference, you have all these teams that are really just like on top of each other. Uh, The Heat, the Heat are basically tied. uh, The Heat have a two game lead over the Bulls. But then if you look from the two seed through really the six seed, everybody's only separated by three and a half games. Um, you've got, uh, you've got the, the bulls in second, then you've got the Sixers then the Bucks, the Cavs, the Celtics, and then the Raptors. And then you've got the Nets in eighth. So I think that the way this shakes out, it's unfortunate because my Knicks just leave me with so much pain, but 
I think that this is the playoff field. The playoff field is going to be these top 10 teams. I don't think, I think it's unlikely that the Hornets are going to fall out. Um, and I think that you're going to see the Hawks in ninth, the Nets in eighth, the Raptors in seventh. So the question here becomes, can the Hawks jump somebody? Is it possible that the Nets, if Kevin Durant and uh, Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons, like don't come back, could they, if they get stuck in the play in, could they get bumped? And this is the thing. The Nets odds right now are in a position where you can't bet on them. They're plus 290 to win the Eastern Conference, and they're plus 600 to win the title. The East is an absolute gauntlet. And I think that the problem with the East is I I think it's tough to bet on any of these teams right now. Um when you're speculating about where they might fall in the standings. But the team that I'm most concerned about is Brooklyn, because if you're looking at this, the seven and the eight seeds play in the first playing game. And then the nine and 10 seeds play each other. It's they, the, the nets have to make up three games in the loss column on the Celtics uh, in order to move up to six. What this means is that if the nets are stuck in the play in tournament, the books are going to have to adjust their odds. They have to adjust them because of the variance. You can't have a situation where like, they're not going to leave a line um, of like plus 600 or even, you know, plus 290 to win the the conference. These lines are going to move just because it's possible that they could get beat like twice in a row. You just, you just don't really know. Um, And especially when, you know, I, I think it's likely that the Raptors uh, would lose to them. But if you go into a matchup where you have to go play the Hawks or the Hornets, two teams that just have crazy offenses, you just don't know. Like, what if you just have a cold night and then you, you're you're done, you're out. So I think that with Brooklyn, you really got to wait and you got to see how that team gels a little bit. Um, the Bucks, I don't think really care. The Bucks just don't care who they play and they will play whoever's in front of them. And I think that's can kind of go the same and be said about the Sixers, the Bulls and the Heat. But, you know, ideally if I'm the 76ers, I don't really want to play the Celtics or the Bucks in the first round. Um, it's, it's not the best matchup for them. And uh, I, I would be trying to avoid that, you know, if, if I was either of those teams. So Horford has done a good job stopping Embiid, uh, surprisingly enough, uh, even at his age. And, you know, you just you don't want to play the Bucs. You don't know if Brooke Lopez is going to be back because that dramatically changes their defense. So if I'm looking at an Eastern Conference future, though, I think that the team in terms of value you probably got to say it's the Celtics at nine to one. Do I buy it? Not really. Um, and then I guess a lot of people have been saying, well, why not the Bulls? You know, you have DeRozan, you have Levine, you got your Lonzo's coming back, Alex Caruso. My concern with the Bulls is their style of offense is impressive. And like, they, they do a really good job. They, they're blistering from two point, uh, you know, and from mid range, but the problem is their defense is just not very good. Uh, they're 22nd in adjusted defensive rating. And maybe it improves when Lonzo and Caruso come back uh, and, and we get a little bit better of a picture. But I don't look, since I'm looking at like the full season numbers, this is kind of caking in 
both lineups. I don't love this for them. And I think that this could be problematic and they don't really have a stopper for uh, like Joel Embiid or Giannis or anybody. Like they just don't have that piece. And even, you know, Bam Adebayo is like, was playing very well against them. So I, I, I really struggle backing the bulls here and Miami's sneaky. Good. Miami has been incredible this season. They're, even when they don't have players, they're beating teams. So I think Miami has some value, but my my only issue with Miami is they don't seem to have like that guy. Like Jimmy Butler's great, but is Jimmy Butler ever really going to be, you know, like the best player in a series? Prop probably not. It's it's unlikely, and not that that necessarily matters when you have like such a good whole team. I think it can matter when you're playing teams like the Nets, the Bucks, and the 76ers. So I, I think it is something to be concerned about. Now, this is going to really bring me to Philadelphia. And I want to talk about the Sixers. And this is going to kind of lead into my best bets for tomorrow or for, you know, for these games on Wednesday. Harden is making this offense insane. Like him and Joel in the pick and roll is just it's art. And I, you know, like it, it pains me because I wish that, you know, the Knicks like were able to go and get somebody that was just as good, but you know, it just, it, it hasn't happened. So here we are, but you know, you have, when you think about this, they replaced Steph Curry's Seth Curry's minutes, the real S Curry, they replaced his minutes with James Harden's and that is a hundred percent going to be a positive. There's just no way around that, that you're going to say that's not a positive. So like they, they did great. I think the nets also did great. We talked about this before, but now that we're actually seeing this in action, you know, you can kind of see, you can kind of tell that James Harden was like dogging it maybe a little bit and uh, with the nets. So this is a really interesting spot. And this is a super small sample size. It's only 53 possessions, but when Joel Embiid and James Harden are on the floor, they are scoring 40, they're plus 47.1 points per 100. And they're scoring 141.5 points per 100 possessions, and they're allowing just 94.4. That's preposterous. Those are crazy numbers. And I don't think that either of them necessarily will be entirely sustainable. But the thing that's crazy is like right now in the regular season, because I think this will change and I think it'll shift a little bit in the playoffs as they, the whistle, the refs kind of swallow their whistles a little bit. Their free throw rate is 38.6. If they maintain this rate, it would be the second highest free throw, free throw rate of all lineups in the NBA with at least hundred possessions played. So we might even be able to see that after this next game, what that does. Um, Harden and Embiid are third and first respectively in free throw attempts per game. They're just getting, they're opening up so many more shots for each other and they're getting, they're opening up these lanes. They're getting good looks and they're creating foul trouble uh, for their opponents as well. So we just saw, you know, like the Knicks, like Mitchell Robinson almost fouled out in like, you know, like three seconds and then Jericho Sims also. So it's, it's, it's a really tough dynamic. And if you don't have enough size, you're not going to really be able to sustain and like contain Joel Embiid um, because you have to do it either schematically or whatever, but now you can't just leave him because you have a guy like James Harden. And 
that brings you to the gravity of Harden. So when Ben Simmons was on the team, the difference is like Simmons really needed the whole court open to him in order to facilitate properly. Whereas Harden, the, the issue for the difference is that he can obviously shoot and he's one of the best three point shooters in NBA history. So you have to defend him really all the way out. And when you're throwing multiple guys at him, that's pulling on his grab. That's that's gravity. And it's creating a lot of openings where you have to decide, like, am I going to double harden? Am I going to double and beat? Am I going to cheat? Am I going to try to like, you know, sag off of somebody? And it's really opening up a lot of opportunities for the tertiary scorers on the Philadelphia 76ers. And that's Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese Maxey is averaging in these two games with, with Harden. He's his assists are down but he's scoring 24.5 points per game. He's like a true combo guard. And with Harden as like a runner, he doesn't have to feel that need to facilitate. He can just kind of do his thing because he's like, I'm getting the ball. Like I can do my thing right now. So that's one thing. And then you see Matisse Thibel, rather than being more of like a spot up shooter, which he's not really good at, you see him starting to be a cutter. He's a slasher. And I think that with his athleticism, that's a much better use of his space and a much better use of his like abilities. So this Sixers team is kind of scary. And I think that, you know, Tobias Harris has struggled since, uh, since the Harden's got there, but I'm not overly concerned with him. I think he will be fine at the end of the day. And this team is really good. I think it's going to really depend on who they wind up matched up with because, you know, if they have to play, they might get through whoever they have to play first, but if they have a long series and then they got to do it again against another team that like can match up pretty well with them, that's where you start seeing the wrinkles in, you know, in the way the seating works and the way the playoffs are. So if I'm looking at the Eastern conference, I'm probably staying away from the Sixers for now but I think that based on the seeding, I might add to a futures play with them uh, because I think that they could they could absolutely they absolutely match up well with the majority of the teams coming out of the West. So I think that if they are able to get through the East, this could be you know this could be a really good scenario for them. But the road through the East is obviously going to be much more arduous. So one of the other questions that I had gotten today was who do I like for Defensive Player of the Year? And the thing you got to think about here is obviously like I like Draymond before the season, you know, we were on him uh, and Jaron Jackson Jr. has been playing very well. What Rudy Gobert did the other day when he basically single-handedly stopped Luca for the last like five minutes of the game that like honestly might have won him the award on its own. He looked incredible in one-on-one coverage, which is something that like he's not, typically asked to do, especially on somebody of Luca's caliber. Maybe it's in part because Luke is a little bit slower. He's a little bit more methodical of a player, but he's still got an entire bag and he's filthy and Gobert just shut him down. So I think that if you have a ticket with great odds on somebody else, like you might want to start considering whether or not you can hedge with Rudy at minus 145 or maybe take the cash out value. Alternatively, you got to look at some of these guys like like Bam Adebayo has not has missed about as much time as Rudy. He's not missed like a ton of time. He's 16 to 1. Uh I still think that Giannis could win it, 
um, as like a nod to him saying, well, you know, we didn't give you the MVP this year, but you played extremely well. It, it's really just going to come down to voter fatigue because Rudy just is, you know, it's like, he's the can choice. He's not that exciting. It, it is what it is. So we'll see kind of how that shakes out. I'm not really looking to bet this right now, but I think if you were going to take a long shot, you could take either, you know, Bam out of bio. He's on the best team in the East and they have the number six adjusted defensive rating. Or you could look at, you know, maybe even Robert Williams. I know I talked about this with Brandon Anderson from the Action Network. Celtics have the second best adjusted uh, defensive rating in the league. He's leading that team. That's another option as well. So uh, that's that's kind of my breakdown for Defensive Player of the Year. But that's going to bring me to my analysis on my best bets. And I'm going to piggyback off of what I just talked about with the 76ers and the Knicks. And the other thing here, over the last five games – the Knicks have played at the 14th ranked pace in the league. Sure, that's middle of the road, not a big deal, whatever. The thing is, they were 29th on the season in terms of pace. So they're seeing an uptick in their pace right now. And I'm not sure if it has to do with what they're doing in terms of the point guard rotations. I think a lot of it has to do with R.J. Barrett really taking the reins of the offense and you know pushing, driving to the hole, um, et cetera. But this coupled with the 76ers strength right now uh, is, is interesting. And I think that because they're getting so many free throws, because they're stopping the clock and they're able to score, this total at 222 is just too low. Um, and I think that's something that you absolutely need to bet. I would get on this ASAP. I don't think, I think this line is going to move up. And I think that the 222 is just too low of a spot. So with the Nick, with this game, I'm going to take the Knicks for 76ers over 222. Uh, you know, even if we're looking at it too, over the past couple of weeks, the New York Knicks, like their defense just has not been particularly good. They're 22nd in defensive rating over the last two weeks. So uh, they're, they're score. They're not scoring very much either, but their offense has been kind of shitty all season long anyway, but this is more of a bet on their pace and the 76ers style of play and getting this many more free throws. So I'm looking at that. I'm looking at betting Harden props and looking at betting maxi props. And I think this is a good spot to bet this over. Now for my second best bet, we're looking at the new Orleans Pelicans versus the Sacramento Kings. And I understand the Kings are like, okay. And like, they've gotten a bit better uh, since they got Sabonis and that's not really a knock on anybody. It's just more of like, uh, well, um, he's, he's good. He's better than what they had down low. It's better than Sean Holmes. They weren't playing with Marvin Bagley anyway. You know, it's tough that they don't have Tyrese Halliburton, but they're seeing upticks in usage from like De'Aaron Fox. But the thing is the Pelicans made a trade of their own and they got CJ McCollum. The Pelicans are ninth in net rating over the last two weeks. And Sacramento is 23rd. They're minus 4.3 points per hundred possessions. I think that this is a team, you know, if we're looking at records, the Pelicans don't look that good. They're not like a super attractive team. Uh, and obviously neither are the Kings. And, th and that's where you kind of get these casuals. You know, the, the Kings are only two games back of the, or I guess three games back in terms of the standings of the Pelicans, but the Pelicans are a far superior team that's rounding into form. So I'm getting the Pelicans at home at minus four and a half. I'm going to be taking the Pelicans minus four and a half in this spot against the Sacramento Kings. So 
that brings me to pods and recs. It's just going to be a rec because it's me, but I will recommend the, once again, obviously the sharp sharks discord, but I'm going to be recommending just get yourself like a new pair of sneakers. It might be time, you know, uh, the weather's changing, you know, you, you got your sneakers. They're kind of dirty. They got all the salt on them, whatever. It might be time. Look in the bag, get yourself a nice pair for the spring. You're ready. You're be ready to be out and about. It's good for your feet. And, uh, you know, make sure that they fit, whether you need orthotics, whatever it is, make sure your shoe size is right and get that nice pair of crisp sneaks, crisp sneaks. So that's it for cash that. I hope that you guys enjoy this. Let me know if you're riding. Let me know if you're riding. Let me know if you're tailing. Let me know if you're following. Let's cash that. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Miami. Uh, uh, South Beach, bringing the heat. Uh, <laughs> can y'all feel that? Can y'all feel that? Jig it out. Uh. Here I am in the place where I come let go In Miami, the base and the sunset low Every day like a Mardi Gras Everybody party all day, no work, all play, okay? So we sip a little something, leave the rest to spill Me and Charlie at the bar, running up a high bill Nothing less than ill, when we dress to kill Every time the ladies pass, they be like Can y'all feel me? All ages and races, real sweet faces Every different nation, Spanish, Haitian, Indian, Jamaican Black, white, Cuban, or Asian I only came for two days of playing, but every time I come, I always wind up staying. This the type of town I can spend a few days in Miami, the city that keeps the roof blazing. Party in the city where the heat is on all night, on the beach till the break of dawn. Welcome to Miami, Bienvenido a Miami. Bouncing in the club where the heat is on all night, on the beach till the break of dawn. I'm going to Miami. Welcome to Miami. Yo, I heard the rainstorms ain't nothing to mess with But I can't feel a drip on the strip It's a trip, ladies have dressed full of your quip And they be screaming out So I'm thinking I'ma scoop me something hot And this all summer rain game melting pot Hottest club in the city and it's right on the beach Temperature, get to ya, it's about to reach 500 degrees in the Caribbean cities With the hot mommies screaming Every time I come to town they be spotting me In the drop Bentley ain't no stopping me So cashing your dough and flow to this fashion show Pound for pound Anywhere you go, yo, ain't no city in the world like this And if you ask how I know I got to plead the fair Miami Party in the city where the heat is on All night on the beach till the break of dawn Welcome to Miami Bienvenido a Miami Bouncing in the club where the heat is on All night on the beach till the break of dawn I'm going to Miami Welcome to Miami Don't get me wrong, Chi-Town got it going on And New York is the city that we know don't sleep And we all know that LA and Philly stay jiggy But on the snake, Miami bringing heat for real Y'all don't understand I've never seen so many Dominican women with sediment tans Mira, this is the plan Take a walk on the beach, draw a heart in the sand Give me your hand, damn you look sexy Let's go to my yacht in the West Keys Ride my jet skis, lounge under the palm trees Cause you gotta have cheese for the summer house Peace on South Beach Water so clear you can see to the bottom Hundred thousand dollar cars, everybody got them Ain't no surprise in the club to see Sly Stallone Miami, my second home. Party in the city where the heat is on all night on the beach till the break of dawn. Welcome to Miami. Bienvenido a Miami. Bouncing in the club where the heat is on all night on the beach till the break of dawn. I'm going to Miami. Welcome to Miami. Party in the city where the heat is on all night on the beach till the break of dawn. Welcome to Miami. Bienvenido a Miami. Bouncing in the club where the heat is on all night on the beach till the break of dawn. 
in the city where the heat is